It's our privilege to make these messages available to you. We pray that the Word of God will richly bless you. So let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. broken and offended heart today so we can go and begin to build the righteous heart. Amen. And looking at things that, uh, that, that, that'll change our heart and help us to be the men and women of God that God wants us to be so that he can use us like he wants to use us. Now, last week we were talking about the offended heart. I don't want to go back and read all the definitions and all the different uh, 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 things that, you know, pertain to that. But we did determine uh, that were, there were three major things. I'm sure there may be some other minor things, but there are uh, three major things that cause people uh, to be offended. And now, you know, the word offended means to be victimized, violated, caused to stumble or fall. And, of course, I did an expanded or an amplified definition of it last week that, that, that really amazed me because even the word that we get, that we use in sports endeavors, uh, offense, like a, a boxer that's on the offensive or a, or a football team that's on the offense, gets its root from there, and it means there's an aggressive nature to it. Offense always has an aggressive nature to it. If you're offended, you want to spread it around. I, it's just the way it is. Offended people just kind of spread it all around. That's, that's why you got to be careful. When somebody engages you in a conversation, not every uh, spiritual conversation is a good one. If you don't believe that, ask Eve. You say, what do you mean? Well, Satan uh, engaged her in a spiritual conversation, and, and, and she ended up blowing the whole thing for everybody. Amen. So it's, it has an aggressive nature to it, and, and not only that, it pushes you away from God, not toward God, and that's one of the saddest things. So we saw, first of all, people get offended at the demand the Word puts on them. Now, I'm telling you, you're going to be a Word person, it's going to put a demand on you. A lot of people don't like to say, well, I'm tired of the Word telling me what to do. Why? The Word's trying to bless you, heal you, set you free, deliver you. Not only that, the greater working of the Word of God is to give you the true identity of who you really are. You're not male, female, black, white, Hispanic, Asian. You're none of that. You're in Christ Jesus. That trumps all of that. Amen. Amen. So when you begin to realize that, you begin to realize, now wait a second, I might need this. I might need the Word. I might need to know about who I am in Christ. I might need to know how to get healed. I might need to know how to appropriate all the good things God has already given to me. I, need, I may, need to, may, may need to understand how to receive it. Everything in the kingdom works by how? Seed time and harvest. Seed time and harvest. Seed time. So when that word comes and puts a demand, just like in the natural. Just like if you study agriculture, I was in, in Future Farmers of America for three years, and we learned about agriculture. And when you put a seed, a cotton seed, a corn seed, a rice seed, whatever kind of seed you put in the ground, the ground doesn't put a demand on the seed. The seed puts a demand on the ground. The seed says to the ground, give me your moisture. The seed says to the ground, give me all your nutrients. There's all kinds of, uh, of microorganisms down there. And the seed says, give that, give that to me. And if the farmer puts any fertilizer on it, you can't keep it. That fertilizer's for me. Because when you fertilize the soil, if the seed's not there, what good does it do to fertilize? Amen. Now, what does the seed do for the soil? It gives it what it does not have, which is life. Life comes up out of the soil because the seed puts a demand on the soil. The seed's the same way in your life. The seed will put a demand on you. And the Bible says when persecution or affliction arises for the word's sake, you come down and get prayed for for healing, you go home, you're twice as sick. 
You say, what is, what's going on with that? You tithe and offer three weeks later, the bottom falls out of your face. It means the adversary is coming after your word, your answer, your provision, your healing. That's when you've got to stand up. We teach on it all the time. We'll teach on it probably this summer. The authority of the believer. You have power in the word. You have power in the Holy Ghost, and you have power in the name of Jesus. Protect your seed. I'm going to say protect your seed. Then the other area people get offended, that's the way God chooses to do things. We saw the seed in Mark chapter 4, or the demand the word, word of God puts on you in Mark chapter 4. Uh, Matthew 11, the story of John the Baptist ending up in prison. He was the voice of one crying in the wilderness, in the wilderness, in the wilderness. But the prison was in the city. He got out of his place because God chose to do things the way he chose to do things. God is not going to do anything in your life the way you want him to. Now, I said this in the early service, and it may help you in this service. The greatest deliverance in your life, are you ready, is not deliverance from crack cocaine. It's not deliverance from drugs, alcohol, greed, lust, you name it. The greatest deliverance of your life comes when you get delivered from being God. Everybody say, deliver me, Lord. When you make a decision, Lord, you can call the shots. You can do it the way you want to. I'm going to stand back out of your way. You be God. I'm going to be your little faith guy down here on the earth. You do whatever you want to do, and you do it your way. But so many people get offended. They got it all figured out how God's going to do this. All figured out how God's going to do that. All figured out this. And listen, if you got it all figured out, you're probably in trouble. Because there's going to be opportunity for offense. Now, we left off last week teaching on... The greatest area of offense that happens, and that's among people. Remember we talked about liking people. Did you know there are people in Island Church who do not like you? Everybody say amen. amen. Do you know there are people at Island Church that you do not like? Oh, I just like everybody. No, you don't. Don't be a liar. We'll just cast lying devils out of you later. Amen. No, we are not called to like each other. We're called to love one another. That's a much higher level. Liking people means you're going to gather people around your own identity. You're going to gather people around your own interests. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna gather people around you that vindicate or affirm you. But in the body of Christ, we cannot afford to do that. Here, here's the scenario. I've taught on this before. We'll teach on this at another time. You must, number one, understand God loves you. And if you can understand God loves you, you can love yourself. Because if you see how God values you, you will begin to value yourself. Now, if you can, if you can know the Father loves you, love yourself because of that, return that love to Him, then you can turn and love your brother and sister in the body of Christ. Now, if we can all learn to love one another, we can take this love and we can go to the world. We can go to Guatemala. We can go to the Philippine Islands. We can go to Africa. And we can go to 25th Street. Come on, church. And we can love people as we learn this love concept, this love reality, this love force, and this love power. Now, let me say this. I was away from the Lord for many years, and I wasn't afraid of doctrine. I, listen, I knew doctrine. I wasn't afraid of that. The one thing that God used to draw me back into the kingdom was love. 
I'm telling you, I don't care who you are. You can fight doctrine. You can fight denominationalism. You can, you can, listen, you can fight church hierarchy. You can fight, but you cannot fight. There's no fight in the human being when it comes to the love of God. The love of God will melt the hardest heart. The, the love of God will melt the most, the most coarse sinner on the planet if he ever gets one taste of the overwhelming, agape, unmerited love of God. That's it. How did God get you? He loved you. I'm telling you, God just beat me into the kingdom. He, he threw me on my back in the hospital. I went into bankruptcy, had two divorces, and finally God got my attention. The Bible says it's the goodness of God that leads men and women to repentance. I've actually had people do that in, in, in altar calls back when we used to travel. I'd say, you know, uh, pray for Bubba. Pray that God will give him a car wreck. Put him on his back in the hospital. Get his attention and save his soul. I said, I'm not going to pray that for him. I'm going to pray God will bless him. Bless his business. Bless him at his job. Bless his family. And they look at me like I'm crazy. But God has a way of loving people into the kingdom. That's how he got you there. So we looked over at, at, at Proverbs uh, uh, chapter. Anybody read Proverbs 13 this week? Nobody did? Oh, excuse me. First, I'm looking at Proverbs. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter. Write it down. Meditate on it. We were in a, I was in a, a, a crusade uh, over in Europe with another minister, and, and things weren't going too good for him. They were going all right for me. It wasn't going too good for him. He was having some, some, uh, yeah, some, some political issues. And, and so uh, I, I was asking him, how are you doing? How are you going? How, you know, how are things going? How, you doing all right? You know, you going to make it? And, and he pulled this index card out of his pocket, and in it was written, on it was written 1 Corinthians uh, 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 chapter 13, verse 4 uh, through verse 10 in the Amplified Bible. He looked at me and said, I'm going to make it. <laughs> you ought to write it down. You ought to get it written on the tablet of your heart. And here's the thing about walking in love. You, you, you have to do it. You'll never feel it. Amen. It talks about, that, you know, how love is kind and, and how love isn't uh, boastful or vain. You'll never have these feelings. Well, when I feel like that, I'll do it. You'll never do it. That's human love. This is God's love. Amen? Amen. So let, let, let's pick up today. If you will, go to Proverbs chapter 18, and then we'll go over to Luke 17. Now, now this, is, this will be the second part of where we were at last week. If you've ever had anything happen to you that broke or bruised your heart and you ended up offended. Now, now there's our definition again. Uh, victimized, violated, caused to stumble or fall. You must come to the place where you realize it. I've met so many offended people that said, I'm not offended. No, I'm not. You offended? No, oh no. No, I'm not offended. And listen, let me just say this. Two things guard offense in the life of the believer. And that is the, the, the pride and fear. Now, now, number one, fear guards it because people are afraid it's going to get exposed. Amen. And the problem was that with offense, it's already exposed you. You say, how does, this, how does it expose people? They pull, they pull away from God. They pull away from the church. They pull away from the things of God. You say, well, it's just hard to do it. Listen, sometimes it's hard to be in the church you're called to be in. Sometimes it's difficult. I remember times when I, uh, God told me to leave this high-geared, charismatic, powerful 5,000-member on Wednesday night church and go join a little church that had 20, 30 people met in a funeral home. You think there ain't any conflict in that? You think there ain't any reason for offense in that? And many times over the years in that 
situation, I, man, I had great opportunity to be offended, but I never quit. I never backed away. There'd be times I'd be out traveling, come home dog tired, but it's Wednesday night, we're going to church. Get a better amen than that. You'll back away. You'll back away from church. You'll back away from the things of God. You can put on, you can put on a good facade, but in reality, you'll see in just a minute, it's eating on you a little bite at a time, munching on you. Coom, 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 coom. It just munches on you. I'll show you that in a minute. I'll show you that in the Word. So you've got to come to the place where you realize it. You just made a, man, I'm, I'm offended. I'm mad. Amen. Things your enemy will do best uh, pride and fear, the things that your enemy will, will do its best to activate and stimulate that in order to get you into a prison, in order to lock you up. There are steps you can take to judge yourself so that if you are offended, now listen to this, you, let me say it again, you can initiate healing. Now, in studying this on the heart and digging into offense, this is the problem that we find. Well, I tell you, they need to come to me. It'll never happen, church. It will never happen. Nobody's going to come to you. The enemy's going to let you sit and stew in that offense, and it's going to nibble on you, and it's going to munch on you, and it's going to mess with you. You've got to make a decision. I'm tired of living with this junk in my life. I will go. And listen, let me just say this. If you go to them and you do everything that, that you do to try and get it right, and they spit on you, at least you've done what you were supposed to do. God will release you of that. God will heal you of that. And you will be blessed. The ball is in their court. Amen. Come on, church. You've got to initiate it. Ask yourself, am I angry? Don't let anger hide behind this phrase. Well, I'm not angry. I'm really just disappointed. <laughs> that doesn't work. You're trying to dress up anger in another. In another. You, you, you listen, you're, you're, you're trying to put a set of clothes on it doesn't fit. What do you think the root of anger is? It's disappointment. Anger is the result of disappointment, of discouragement, of hurt, of things that were done to you. So the, so the, so the symptom of that is your anger. Getting quiet in here. Another sign, constant, for, well, I forgive them, I forgive them, I forgive them, I forgive them. That means people have been saying that about people for years and never forgave them. I, for, I tell you, I forgave, I forgave them 20 years ago, but let me tell you what they did. Let me, let me show you what I forgave them for. I, I really, I forgive them, but let me tell you, here's how it happened. This happened, and that happened, and this happened. And I was right, I was up because I'm always right, except once when I was mistaken. Amen, that's what we do, we guard that. That's pride is what that does. That's all that is is pride. You've got to make a decision. Listen, it doesn't matter what it takes, and it, doesn't, it really doesn't matter who's right or who's wrong. What really matters is, is that there's something in here that's not of God that's got to be removed out of my life. You've got to value your own spirituality a little more than to hang on, some, to, hang on to something that's toxic. Mm -mm -mm. Proverbs. Did you find Proverbs. Let me get it here. What did I tell you? Proverbs 17? Proverbs 18? I was wrong. It's Proverbs 19. Listen, it's Proverbs 19.11. The discretion of a man deferreth his anger. Now listen to this. And it is his glory to pass over a transgression. Verse 19, uh, verse 14 of chapter 19. Let me read it in it. Listen to this in the amplified. I love it in the amplified. Good sense. <laughs> 
makes a man restrain his anger. And it is his glory to overlook a transgression or an offense. Did you get that? I'm going to let that simmer. What do we call that? Marinate. Let that, let that marinate a little bit. It's good sense to do what? To just make a decision. I'm not going to live like this any longer. And to do what? To allow. Now listen, let me just say this. We read this about love. Many times you have the right to be right. Now there's Eric. Now don't get me wrong. That doesn't mean Christians become doormats. Somebody wrongs you and you've got legal recourse and stuff like that. You need to do what you're supposed to do. Let, let me, let me, let's give you a real simple, easy example. You know, you come to Island Church. You've been coming here five years, ten years, and you've got a particular place you like to sit in the auditorium. So that's where you sit. That's my seat. I even, I, you even paid for it, you know, when we took up the, the offering for the, for the chairs, you know. So on one glorious Sunday morning, usually like an Easter Sunday, around Christmas, something like that, or, 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 or a fall harvest conference when there's a large crowd of people, or maybe we have a Sunday when the whole church comes together, because if we had the, uh, this crowd and the, and the early crowd, we'd have a packed house. You come in, and lo and behold, someone is sitting in my seat. Oh, no, it must be the tribulation. So you go get an usher, you go get this person, you go get, and you do it. And next, next thing you know, you're so agitated, you're stuck, you can't even receive from God that day. And all you know is this, that ain't right. That's my seat. That ain't right. That's my, but that person may have had been diagnosed with cancer. That person may be going through a horrible divorce. That person may be addicted to drugs. And they've heard that there's hope here at Island Church for what we preach and that Jesus whom we teach can set people free. And so here they are sitting there. They're innocent. You're right. You bought the chairs when we took the offering. But you got to give up your right to be right. There are so many things like that in life. Now, let me just say this. We're not teaching a marriage course right now. But if you're married... There are times when you have to give up the right to be right in order to have a little peace. And it's always the women. I, I, I'm just trying to be biblical because the Bible talks about, when you read Proverbs, it talks about a contentious wife being like a leaky roof, trip, 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 trip. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. Don't get mad at me. But it's true, isn't it? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> go, to, go to Luke 17. Go to Luke 17. Healing an offense. Healing of an offense in you begins with your ability to overlook it, to let it go. Well, brother, brother, Luke 17 is where we're going to, chapter 17. Uh, uh, brother Osteen told the story years ago when I was in Bible school of how they catch monkeys over in the Philippines. They put these nuts in these, jar, in these glass bottles, and, and when a monkey reaches in there, he grabs that nut, and, and he can't get that bottle off of his hand, but he won't let go of that nut. He just won't. All he'd have to do, he sees the guy coming with a nut, all he'd have to do is let go, of the, let go of the nut, pull his hand out. But he won't do it. He wants that nut so bad. He holds on to that nut. He hangs on to that nut. He holds on to that nut. He hangs on to that nut. And well, they just come and, and throw it over. Next thing you know, you're having monkey soup, you know. 
But he should have let go of that nut. And a lot of people do the same thing. With, they get a hold of it. They just won't let go, won't let go, won't let go, won't let go. And it is a trap. And the Bible says in Ephesians to beware of the wiles, the traps of the devil. That type of trap is not a trap that destroys. It's a trap that holds till the destroyer comes. And that's exactly what the enemy wants. No forward progression in your spiritual life. He wants to hold you where you are so he can figure out how to destroy you. See, if you're moving spiritually, if you're growing spiritually, it's very hard for the enemy to plan anything against you because you're in motion. Hard to, hit a, hard, hard to hit a moving target. And as long as you're growing up in the things of God, he, he, listen, he, he can hit you with some things from time to time, but it's never very well constructed. It's never very well orchestrated. His plan, his scheme doesn't, 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 doesn't have a lot of frame and substance to it. But if you're involved in something right now that looks like a conspiracy from hell, I judge myself of whether I was offended or not and whether or not he had time to plan such a detailed strategy against you. Mm-mm-mm. It takes faith and love. And an, an ability to forgive beyond your ability to forgive. Anger feels. Anger speaks. Anger acts. Anger stimulates and motivates. It grows and it destroys. And this is fed by thought patterns that offense builds. Now, did you find Luke chapter, chapter 17? Let me get over there real quick. Matthew Luke, here I go, turned right to it, praise God. Luke 17, verse 1, Jesus speaking here. He says, then he said unto his disciples, it is impossible that offenses will come. You say, what do you mean by that? They're going to come. You're going to have a lot of opportunity, especially as we build this building, especially as more people come, you're going to have an enormous amount of opportunity to be offended. I, I told the, uh, the early crowd about a revival that took place at Houston. It actually lasted many weeks. And it was a great, it was a God-given revival. Uh, there was an evangelist named Brian Rudd. He had a big old white afro like that. And he, and, and he came, he didn't, he didn't have much to preach. He just told his testimony every night. And he had this amazing testimony how he was doing a life in prison. And God literally went in and changed his fingerprints. And they were unable to prove some charges against him. And he was released out of prison for that. Brother, I tell you, he got on fire for God. He went out and started preaching. And in this beautiful, old, established Pentecostal church up in, up in Houston called Evangelistic Temple, a uh, great revival broke out. But it wasn't the pressed and the primed and the, and the proper that started coming. It was all the hippies. It was like in 1969, 70, 71, right in there. And they started filling that place up. And they're out in the foyer smoking cigarettes. And they're bringing their Coke bottles into the, into the auditorium and spilling them and, and doing all. And the revival got so profound that the Houston Police Department assigned part of their narcotic squad to haul off all of the boxes of drugs and drug paraphernalia that those hippies were throwing up there. Because they were getting saved, delivered, and filled with the Holy Ghost. Well, the brethren... The suits and ties, the ones that dress on Sunday morning, they didn't like that. Mm -mm. Austin Wilkerson was the pastor's name. I heard him give the testimony. He said he came down here to Galveston Island between 47th Street and 51st Street. From midnight till the sun came up, he walked back and forth praying, praying, Lord, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? 
What am I going to do? And the Lord said to him, you can have your crowd. You can have the ones that are prim and proper and dressed and straight, or you can have revival. He went back and said, all you that don't like this can find the back door. Almost the entire church left. But out of that other crowd of hippies, God raised up a powerful Holy Ghost church that shook that entire region for Jesus Christ. And not only that, many of those guys that were drug addicts and hippies became entrepreneurs and business owners all over Houston. And many of them still attend that church to this day. There's a lot of people out there that need Jesus, church. And listen, we need to learn to love them. We need, and if we can't love each other and not get offended at each other, how in the world are we going to love them? See, I'm talking about God changing our heart. Now, it says, it is impossible that offenses will come, uh, but woe unto him whom through they come. Don't be causing offense. Amen. It was better uh, for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were cast into the sea that he should offend one of these little ones. Everybody say little ones. Now, he's talking about, he's not talking about little children. Now, let me just say this. Actually, the, the, the phrase little ones there, if you go study it out, it's, it's, it's immature. Now, listen, you're most vulnerable to offense when you're young in the Lord. I don't know how I made it through it. Man, I, I had people, I, I mean, I just had people coming at me from every angle that were trying to convince me what I was doing wasn't right. I mean, I'd go off to, to, to Ramah and, and, and listen to Brother Hagin in a prayer conference and come back home, and there's people here that are telling me, well, Kenneth Hagin's of the devil. I'm like, what? And then I'd go off to another conference, go up to Lakewood. You, you mean you went to Lakewood Church? Yeah, well, John Osteen's of the devil. And I'm like, oh, my God, these guys are building huge ministries infecting the entire world, and here you are, some pilgrim, pilgrim and stranger, trying to identify these people as being of the devil? Almost got offended. I said, almost got offended, but I made a decision, and then Lee and I, young and married, young in our ministry, people come sit at our table, look across the table at us, you'll never make it in ministry, you'll never make it. I didn't make it, so you'll never make it. We're like, what are you trying, I mean, we had lots of offense, just kind of like a wave rolling at you when you're young in the Lord. You've just got to listen, you've got to get a piece of iron for a backbone. You've got to determine, I'm going to serve God. I don't care who doesn't make it or who says this or who says that. I'm going to serve God, and I'm not going to get offended in Jesus' name. And notice what he says. He said, uh, now take heed to who? To who? To yourself. Take heed to yourself. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. Now, this is what this means. I didn't mean to go say, you're wrong, you did it. That means you initiate it. Actually, in the Amplified, let me, I think it's in the Amplified, it says, let me find it here, verse 3. Pay attention and always be on your guard, looking out one for another. If your brother sins or misses the mark solemnly, tell him so. If someone has offended you, go to them and tell them, you have offended me, let's get it right. The more you hang on to that, the more it festers in you, and the more it will mastate into other areas. Listen, it'll get into your finances, it'll get into your health, it'll get into every area of your life. Let me can I just say it like this? Write it down if you think this is worth saying. It just ain't worth it. The fight ain't worth it. You say, why? There's no win in the fight. We pray, listen, we pray over the uh, ISIS and, and, and Al-Qaeda and the Taliban. We pray over these guys on Wednesday night because the Bible instructs us to pray over our enemies. But in praying over them over the years, a revelation came to me. 
that if, that if, that if ISIS, Al-Qaeda, the Taliban, all the, uh, the, the, the major uh, religious, uh, and, and it's demonic is what it is, if they win the world, if they, if they control every government, if they get every dime, every dollar, every diamond, every piece of gold, if they get it, they still lose. There's no win built into their fight. And offense is the same way. There is no win built into the fight. That's what Jesus said. Go, go to him, get to him. If he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. Everybody say forgive. Now forgive it. forgiveness is an action. It starts with words. I forgive you. You say, well, I don't feel like that. I tell them if I, if I tell them I forgive them, I really don't mean it. You need to say it till you mean it. Amen. Let me say that again. You need to say it till you mean it. Because if you will continue to say it and then say, Father, help me. Help me in this forgiveness thing. Help me. Listen, even Jesus struggled with forgiveness. Upon the cross, he didn't say, Father, I'm forgiving all these people. He said, Father, you forgive them. Stephen, when he was dying, he said, lay not this sin to their charge. He didn't say, I forgive them. Things were being done to them that were so far out of the boundaries that they had to make a decision to have God's help to forgive. And it's the same thing. If you're having trouble, say, God, I need, Lord, first I'm going to ask you, forgive me. Then would you forgive them and help me to forgive them? You've got to do that. Or you'll carry this junk or this toxin around in you. Now notice, verse 5, I love verse 5. The apostles said unto the Lord, increase our faith. Do you see that? Now, we're not talking about doing miracles and, and gifts of the Spirit and, and, and believing God for a $10 million building. They didn't say anything about faith. But boy, when it came to getting rid of offense and unforgiveness, you said, man, I'll tell you, we need some faith teaching, Jesus. We need some faith teaching now. Uh, yeah, we got faith. We go out and do miracles. We got faith. We're with you when you divided the bread and the fish. We can get out of the boat and walk on the water. But this forgiveness thing, need a faith seminar. Need a faith conference. Amen. Need a faith revival. You say, why? Because it takes faith to do this. Pride will try to press it down. Fear will try to press it down. You being right all the time. Listen, all those things will try to press it down. But the good news is faith will help you overcome it all. Now, notice, notice what he says. He begins to, to give an illustration. He says, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say unto this sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root and be planted in the sea. You have to say, you have to say, plucked up by the root, be thou planted in the sea, and it will obey you. So we know the principles of faith that, that you're going to have to have revelation, and you're going to have to speak it out. Now, I always, and for years when I would teach on, on Luke 17, I, would, I likened the sycamore or the sycamine tree to the willow tree because I saw that in a Bible commentary. But now as I begin to study uh, on this particular series, the Lord said, you need to go back and check up on the sycamine tree what, that exact, what exactly it is. Now, actually, if you study it, the sycamine tree that's talked about in the Bible is a black mulberry or a black fig. Are you with me? You say, what do you mean? Now, it's a fruit-producing tree. Now, the, there were two types. There was the sweet fig, which were mainly purchased and bought up 
by the rich people. They liked the sweet figs. They made uh, stuff out of it. And so they were the most popular. They were the most expensive, and they were bought up. Now, all that was left was the bitter fruit of the black mulberry. That was it. Now, it could be eaten. It wasn't poisonous. It could be eaten, but it was so bitter and tart, it can only be nibbled on. Just nibble it. Couldn't take a big bite. You just had to nibble, 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 nibble on bitter, nibble on bitter, 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 nibble, nibble, bitter, bitter, nibble. That's just like a fence. Now, this will blow your mind. It's a very hard wood whose primary use, you know what it is? Is for making caskets. It's a very hard wood whose primary use in the Middle East 2,000 years ago was for making caskets. Uh, yes. Its root system. Most trees have either, like you take a, we got a lot of palm trees around here. Most of those are root balls. They, they neither, neither have horizontal roots that, stri- that, that spread out over the ground or, or, or the vertical type roots that go down, down deep. This has both. The root system of a black mulberry has a root system that will spread out along the ground and then it is one of the deepest diving roots of all the plants of the Middle East and when severe drought and when severe uh, famine happen, you know the only tree that's left? Zikamine tree. Now listen to this. This blew my mind. Oh, my time's up. You want to hear the rest of this? The sycamine tree is pollinated. Now, most trees do self-pollination. One tree gives off pollen, the other uh, receives it. Now, there's a lot of trees that are pollinated by bees, sweet little bees, flying around, and what comes out of bees? Honey. This, now, this blew my mind. This tree is pollinated by a very poisonous wasp that goes in and stings the fruit, and once this fruit is stung, it becomes poisonous. Think Jesus knew what he was talking about? When he was equating all of this stuff to this sycamine tree, they knew what he was talking about. When they said, increase our faith, he said, well, let me tell you what you're dealing with right here. You're dealing with something just like the sycamine tree. It literally is, you'll make a casket out of your offense is what you'll do. Not only that, it's going to spread out. Its roots are going to spread out in every area of your life. Not only that, it's bitter and you're going to nibble and nibble and nibble and nibble on it. Not only that, it reproduces with poison. I'd be getting that out of my life. Now, notice, he goes on. Let me finish. Let me finish. Hallelujah. How many people will give me one minute? One minute. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. All right, we can get this finished up. Now, notice this. Now, I've heard other guys preach on this, but they didn't relate it to it. He said this. He said, uh, let me get to it. Uh, uh, if you had faith, a grain of mustard seed. Uh, he said, and I would not, rather not say to you, go down to verse uh, 8. Uh, uh, make ready herewith. Uh, no, excuse me. Verse 7. Uh, But which of you having a servant plowing, everybody say a servant, a servant plowing or feeding cattle will say unto him by and by, when it is come from the field, go and sit down to meet. Now, this is what he's saying. He said, now, any of you having a servant or somebody working for you, when they finish working, will you tell that servant, all right, servant, you worked hard, go sit down. Go sit down. I'm fixing to serve you. Amen? And will not rather say, he says, no, no, that's not what you say. You say to the servant, you make ready for me that I may sup and gird, thy, uh, and gird thyself, 
and serve me till I've eaten and I've drunken, and afterward you shall eat and drink. Do we thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I trow not. Or actually he says, no. Likewise ye, when you have done all the things which I have commanded you, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our, now notice this, duty to do. Now you say, what is he saying there? He's taking the subject of faith and he's turning faith into a servant for you. And he's saying, now your faith is going to have to serve you to get you unoffended. And the result of your faith is you're unoffended. Did you get that? It's not some, you know, some criticism against the faith message. He's giving, he's liking it into a, to a master of a house who has servants. And the servants come in from working all day. And he tells the servants, change your clothes, clean up. Make me supper and serve me. He says, after the servants do that, do they get a reward? No. That was their duty to do it. It is your faith's duty to get you disconnected from offense and get your heart healed. He said, well, I was believing God. If I got unoffended, I'd get a miracle. You won't. Now, you have, now you're back in the place where you can get a miracle. Now you're back in the place where you can begin to use your faith. Now you're back in the place where faith will come online to get you healed. Faith will come online to get you prosperous. Faith will come online to get you the miracle that you need. But in the meantime, your faith is not going, well, I should have got, shouldn't I have been rewarded for this? God, Jesus says, no, it is your duty to do it. This is not a reward system because you obeyed me. He's saying, this is your duty. You want to be in my likeness? You want to be in my, uh, uh, you know, I'm the vine, you're the branches. You want to be part of who I am? You want to be in Christ? Then this is just your duty to do it. That means I'm commanding you to do it. And what did Jesus say about loving him? He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And this is one of the things that he commands his people to do is not to be offended. And if you do get offended, get free from it because it's like a stinking tree that's going to grow up into your life and produce all kinds of bitter fruit and bitter poison. Now, I've seen, I've literally seen generational offense. And it's one of those scariest things I've ever seen in my life where something would happen and generations down the road, it would affect the children and the grandchildren. And I'm telling you, it is one of the most heinous things the enemy uses against the move of God is because some little old something happened to somebody a hundred years ago and, and grandma and grandpa got all offended and they transmitted it into their children and they transmitted it into their children and, they tra and because of that, we don't go to church. We don't, them all them preachers are crooks. All those churches, they're just, I tell you, every time we ever went to one, we got hurt. Now let me just say something about that. How many know we have an adversary called the devil? Remember, we're talking about God changing our hearts. And we're going to start working next week on building the righteous heart and getting the submissive heart, the prosperous heart, the healed heart. We're going to work on all that stuff. But listen, if you can be hurt, you're going to get hurt. Let me say that again. If you can be hurt, your adversary, the devil, who goes about seeking those that can be hurt, he goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. 
And that word devour, you go study that, you go through the word of God, that's that same word that they use. Remember when the earth opened up and swallowed all those rebellious people in, in, in the children of Israel back then? And they were saying, no, uh, you know, we're, we're as good as Moses. We're blessed. We can do this. We can do that. And Moses said, okay, let's try it all out. And the Bible says, the earth opened up and they went down into hell alive. They were devoured. And that's what's happened to a lot of people in the body of Christ over the years is they've allowed something to open up and devour them. And let me just say, I've had opportunities. Listen, we've had people steal offerings. We've had people say all kinds of crazy stuff about us. We've had people do, I mean, I've had pastors act like idiots toward me. We show up to preach. They don't even show up at the airport to pick us up. We had all kinds of stuff go on. We had, one time, remember we had all those bounce checks. People, I mean, you go and preach in a church and you see all the, all the offerings coming in and then the church writes you a check and it bounces. And so you send it in, and six months later, they send it back, you know. And then you go preach again. Oh, we're sorry. We apologize. And then you go again, and bounces again. And you're like, oh, my God, you know. I mean, you've got to fight it. You've got to make a decision. I'm not going to let anything hurt me. I'm not going to let anything encroach on my spirituality. God's too big. Heaven's too real. Hell's too hot. Too many people are going there. And I've got to do what God says to do without getting hurt or offended. And if you will do that. God will heal you of past offenses and hurts. He will heal your heart. And your heart will begin to beat again the way it should according to what God desires for you to have and do. And for some of you, for the first time in your life, you're going to be able to let go of that stuff. So I'm just going to encourage you. If you've got an offense in you and there's people involved in it, just go to them. So I don't think that's right, Pastor. It doesn't matter. You're going to let it continue to, to fester and mastate and, and, and just go to them. I've got people in my life right now. I've been writing letters to. I've been, I've been trying to get meetings with and all this kind of stuff. I, and basically, I, I have no offense in me toward them at all. Period. It's just not there. There's just some things that need to be made right between us. And listen, if they reject it, ball's in their court, honey. I'm doing everything I can do. Ball's in their court. But you've got to make the effort. You've got to put it forth. You know, I go right back to, to, to uh, uh, John chapter 5, the guy that sat at the miracle pool. You know, he had more than a physical problem because his problem got greatly exaggerated, exacerbated as he sat by that miracle pool. You think, well, just being at the miracle pool would be great, you know. You can imagine. What do you, what do you think? You know, uh, the first time he heard there was a miracle pool. Wow. Somebody had to tell him. Man, down at the sheep market, you wouldn't believe I was down there the other day. I had some sheep to sell. There you are laying, on, you know, laying out uh, with the palsy, a, a cripple. Man, I'm telling you, I was there, and I saw it with my own two eyes. An angel of God descended from heaven and troubled the water, and uh, some, some blind guy uh, just, just kind of ran and jumped in, and he came out of that pool, and he could see. You think that worked for a cripple? You can imagine what that guy thought. Oh my, there's hope. There's hope. So he goes and he lays on his cot. And sure enough, here comes an angel from heaven and troubles the water. Amen. And, and here, comes, here comes someone else. Runs in, maybe they're a leper. And they jump out and all their skin is totally healed. Now he sees it work. Oh, I bet he, I bet he was on cloud nine. Then a week went by. Then a month went by. Then a year went by. Then many years went by. Now, here's, here's what I want you to get out of this. 
Then, during a feast, when everybody was expected that water to move, who seeks him out? Now think about this for a moment. Who comes and seeks out the most offended, discouraged man in Jerusalem? Jesus came looking for him. But he made this statement to him. He said, will you be made whole? Because all those years of laying there, and what seemed to be working for everybody else is not working for me. It did not build him up. Literally, he said, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me in. But while I'm coming, someone always gets my blessing. They get my miracle. All these people standing around here watching this, that guy used to be blind. That guy used to be crippled. That guy used to be a leper. This guy, he got in front of me a month ago. This guy got in front of me six years ago. This guy, this, and I can tell I, I mean, I guarantee he could have gone on and on and on. But Jesus said this, rise, take up your bed and walk. And it was a rhema word. And when he responded to it, he got up. And what the miracle pool couldn't do for him, the word of God did for him. And he rose up healed. You've got to make a decision. Whatever it is in your life, if it's an offense, if it's a hurt, you say, but it'd be so painful. That's okay. You either live with the pain or you make a decision to go through maybe a little more pain and get it over with so that you don't have to live with that anymore. Can I get a better amen? amen. Lift up your hands and worship the Lord. Father, we worship you this morning. We thank you for your word. Thank you for what your word does in our life. Thank you that it exposes, that it heals, that it goes to all the areas of darkness and it turns on the light. In Jesus' name, we're so... Thank you for joining us. We trust you enjoyed the message today. For services and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409 409- 770-9113 We are located at 2411 69th Street Galveston, Texas And remember to keep looking unto Jesus He is the author and the finisher of our faith